most of the hospitals, most of the people that work there didn't know that there is a cyber uh, risk around them. Welcome, everybody, to the Industrial Security Podcast. My name is Nate Nelson. I'm here with Andrew Ginter, the Vice President of Industrial Security at Waterfall Security Solutions. He's going to introduce the subject and the guest of today's show. Andrew, how's it going? I'm very well, Nate. Thank you. Our guest today is Gilad Zinger, the Senior Manager of OT Cybersecurity at PwC. He's going to be talking to us about OT cyber risks at hospitals. Okay, here's you and Gilad. Before we start talking about hospitals, uh, can you tell us a few words about yourself and about your role at, at PwC? So uh, a bit about uh, myself. I worked about 18 years for the government of Israel, of which uh, 14 years were in the cyber arena. Still, before we called it, uh, you know, cyber, we just called it uh, information security in the past. Uh, some part of my years in the government sector was at the National Information Security Authority of Israel, called the NISA in those days. Uh, when we established the four steps of what we call the, uh, today the Israeli ICS regulation, as we are using it today in the water and energy sector, uh, it was based uh, uh, there. For the last two years, I'm uh, a part of the global and the local OT cyber team of uh, PwC, where we, where we uh, supply professional OT cyber advisory services, which includes uh, assessments, development of uh, cyber strategics for uh, leaders, ICS labs, uh, we are doing designing and implementation, penetration testing, and uh, more in Israel, and of course, in the global arena. And our topic today is hospitals. This is the Industrial Security Podcast. Hospitals are not industrial, but they do have physical operations. Can you talk about the physical operations that you're involved with at hospitals? Let's first talk uh, about the non-IT assets that we can face in hospitals and in uh, medical centers, of course. I would like to focus on uh, some of the, um, like uh, BMS. BMS uh, stands for uh, uh, Building Management Systems and uh, some of the life or medical support systems. Well, uh, the BMS system can include the HVAC systems, like air conditions, elevators, electricity, CCTV, and uh, so on. And uh, I don't know if you know, but uh, the air conditions in, uh, in hospitals are a special tool, of course, in surgeries, but it in, in the open space, they are not just to make us feel more comfortable, but also for air ventilation. And we know how it is important in hospitals, their ventilation. And we even started to talk about the potential damage when someone will make the elevator stops. Uh, you, you, you will be able, you won't be able to move patients from one floor to another. So I think we can all can imagine the impact of a cyber attack on uh, this system. Uh, another, another critical system uh, that we can see in hospitals is the gas system. We can usually see the gas socket near the patient beds, which will provide oxygen, for example, or other gases uh, from a main gases uh, facility. These facilities are being controlled by PLCs, the same that you and I know and can find in the water or energy sector with a big difference. Usually, these are closed systems that are implemented years ago with no one on site that will know the deep down details about the systems. Another one is the pneumatic tube that we'll use to transfer blood results between the hospital floors. They are all a part of the OT network of the hospital. 
So, Andrew, uh, we are, as, as is no secret, an industrial security podcast. So tell me, uh, why are we talking about hospitals today? Well, the, the term industrial security is, is used in the industry um, fairly broadly, and, and we use it in that broad sense as well. I mean, if you go to an industrial security conference, and you know I've done a lot of that before COVID, um, you will see presentations about, uh, you know, the occasional presentation about medical devices. You'll see presentations about, you know, sometimes about automobile automation. Um, you'll certainly see uh, presentations and discussion about building automation. And the the examples that uh, Gilad gave here uh, were building automation for hospitals. And, you know, I'm thinking about the building automation space. It's hard to imagine building automation that's more important than the automation that you find in in hospitals. I mean, he gave a couple of examples, but didn't really elaborate much on them. If you've got a patient on a, a stretcher, even one of these stretchers with, uh, you know, with wheels on it, and they've got all sorts of equipment you know, strapped to them, and you want to get this patient from surgery on one floor to a room on another floor, you know, intensive care where they can be looked after, the only way to do that is through an elevator. You mess with the elevators and you've got a serious problem in the hospital. Or, you know, ventilation. You don't want to be blowing air with, you know, the wrong stuff in it into the wrong part of, of the building. So, um, yeah, this is, you know, this is important stuff. And it is uh, in scope for, for industrial in, in my experience. Okay, so if we're going to analogize a hospital to the way that we know industrial systems to work, um, Andrew, not to dehumanize the process or make light of anything, but are we talking about a system that more closely resembles discrete manufacturing or process manufacturing? Uh, good question. And so it, it, it's definitely not discrete. Discrete manufacturing is taking small parts and assembling large things out of them, automobile manufacturing. So the real question here is, is this process or not? And it's, you know, you use the term process manufacturing. Um, people don't really talk about process manufacturing. They talk about process industries. And a process industry is one where what you're dealing with is uh, primarily a, a fluid, a gas or a liquid, or, you know, some kind of continuous medium, you know, like electricity is kind of almost acts like a fluid. Or like sick patients? Uh, no, so I would not model. I would not model the patients as part of the 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 process. But let me let me finish the the uh, the thought on manufacturing, distributing power in a in a uh, a city is very much thought of as a process industry, but it's not manufacturing. So the, I think the manufacturing is a bit of a red herring. You know, does this does this uh, scenario here resemble a process industry? It's not because of the patients; it's because of the infrastructure. So the ventilation is moving air. That's a fluid. That that's a process uh, kind of of thing. Um, the 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 oxygen distribution again is a gas. The elevators, I don't know about. That's I think that's just other. But yeah, there there are. I think there's there's. There are similarities to to process industries in in this, and building automation is generally, you know, considered to to sort of overlap with uh, with process industries. Yeah, and I figure that maybe we're getting a little bit abstract here. My point is only that as we start to discuss security at hospitals, um, maybe there's an opportunity to sort of leverage what we've talked about on the show before, even though we're talking about sort of different content. Maybe. Oh, there is very much so. The the uh, the process industry. Uh, 
kinds of automation and security um, are very much uh, applicable to these kinds of infrastructure systems in, in hospitals, very much so. How are these facilities automated and what kind of network connectivity are you seeing for this kind of automation? First of all, they are, con- they are really connected. So uh, I believe that uh, most of the time you might find them uh, connected to each other or even connected to the IT network or the internet. In our audits, uh, we find a mix of network, no segregation and no segmentation between networks. We've, we can find a lack of uh, proper authentication uh, or accounting. And basically, we see that most of the time, these assets, these assets are not related to anyone with cybersecurity role. That means that nobody is taking care of uh, putting some cyber controls around them. And uh, there is a mixed match with all uh, the networks uh, uh, together. Sometimes it's because, uh, you know, uh, uh, one guy will need uh, some uh, information from this network and he will have to send it to the other network. Uh, but not like, not like other facilities, there's no, no one there that will take care of the uh, security issues uh, while doing this. So networks all connected together you know, raises red flags for me. Um, you've been doing audits of, of uh, hospitals. Um, you know, I hear stories of, of doctors being able to see their patients' vital signs on their cell phones, which suggests that there's connectivity between, you know, the, the most sensitive networks in the hospital and, and the internet. You know, is this true? Is, is, this, uh, is this something we should worry about? Yeah, so first of all, uh, I saw example of uh, these kind of issues uh, in uh, the doctor's telephones that I can see uh, all the patients' uh, records and uh, see some uh, more information. And there is true uh, risk in this, uh, uh, of course, in this implementation because no one is telling the doctor, for example, how to secure his cell phone, okay? Nobody is checking whether the cell phone has the right uh, security controls, for example, using thumbprint, uh, using two-factor authentication, so on. So what will happen if the doctor will lose his phone? lose his phone. Uh, what will happen if someone will hack the doctor's phone? This is one way to look at it. Another way is the uh, things that we can find in Sudan uh, while searching for uh, medical devices in the internet. Uh, there is a really famous uh, uh, path or uh, uh, syntax that you can find a, a lot of uh, x-ray machines that are being connected to the internet. And I think we have a lot to do in this area uh, because there, you can find a lot of examples that can show the the the, uh, the impact and the potential of risk in in this uh, environment. So, hospital systems, you know, both facilities or medical devices, anything on the internet sounds bad. I mean, is this is this what you're actually finding? Yeah. So, sadly to say, I can say about can can talk about at least one example that we saw a pneumatic uh, facility that, like the one that I talked about earlier uh, that's been connected to the internet. Now, think about the consequences of this machine. So if someone will get uh, inside of this pneumatic uh, machine, and uh, just to remind, it is connected to the internet, you will be able to change the paths of the tubes. Okay, so if you are a doctor and you are sending a tube with a blood to one floor, if a hacker can hack it, he will send it to another floor, okay? And he can, you know, change all the all the results of the blast test that you will uh, think you will find. So uh, think, think about the impact. 
if someone is uh, is willing to get a, a blood a blood result of something, he will get another blood result and go so on and so on. And even talk about you know uh, just stopping the machine. So any connection to the internet will gain access to uh, bad people that will can cause or manipulate the uh, the machine. Now, when you find a connection like this, you know, do you get sort of feedback on your your audit findings? Did do people explain why somebody would want to connect the pneumatic system to the internet in the first place? Yeah. So most of the time is there are two main reasons. Uh, one is one of the biggest reasons is I didn't know that it is connected to the internet. The other one is for you know the old thing that we call updates. Okay, updates, patches, and so on. Because people are thinking about these uh, uh, devices like IT devices, okay, like uh, um, regular devices that need to be connected to the internet all the time to get their updates, to get their access. And I think it's because they are not coming from the cybersecurity world; they are coming from an operational world that is not in touch or not in a relationship with the cybersecurity uh, issue. Waterfall Security Solutions is the OT security company, and we are pleased to announce a new white paper, Cybersecurity Imperatives for Vital Rail Networks at Operation Control Centers. Strong cybersecurity is a prerequisite for safe, reliable, and efficient railway operations. Waterfall's unidirectional security gateways provide hardware-based protection for signaling, train safety, energy management, and other vital networks. The gateways replicate critical systems, devices, and protocols to external networks unidirectionally. Those replicas provide safe access to operations control center data. To download the white paper, please visit waterfall-security.com and look for rails under the industries menu. So let me paraphrase here. Uh, I've heard Gilad sort of cover a lot of ground in the last couple of minutes. Um, and what I hear him saying is that security is a problem. Nobody seems aware of the security issues. Nobody seems to have responsibility for the, the security issues. Um, in a sense, you know, this is not surprising. Uh, I hear, um, you know, at these industrial conferences, whenever anybody talks about the building automation space, they're all saying basically this, you know, they're saying that, that uh, it's a mess and it, it urgently needs fixing. And, you know, I'd have hoped that a facility as important as a hospital might be further ahead in this regard than, let's say, I don't know, a big government building or, a, a you know, a, a big high-tech campus or a, a casino. But it sounds like they might not be. So, you know, that's, that's concerning, but in a sense not surprising given the general... Uh, state of behindness, you know, the, the building automation system sounds to be, um, building automation space right now, sorry, sounds to be roughly where a lot of other industries were 20 years ago when they were just getting started waking up to this problem. I hear you, Andrew. Um, why is this though? Is it like a money problem or is it something else? I guess I really don't know, but, you know, thinking about it, the, uh, in the in the in the process industries, um, even in automobile manufacturing, there's engineers everywhere. 
Um, there's electrical engineers in the power plants. There, you know, often these facilities, a refinery, a power plant, will have engineering staff permanently assigned. They come to work every day at the facility. Or if they have a central engineering team, the engineering team logs into the facility, you know, eight hours a day, every day. Engineers are very involved. And the engineering profession seems to have wrap their head around cybersecurity as an issue in 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 my understanding um, but you know when you install an air conditioner in a hospital or in a skyscraper is there an engineer involved i'm not sure there is i i, I thought you know it it might just be technicians doing what they do and that sort of space of practitioners may just not be aware of the problem is is what it sounds like where does this leave civil engineers? Aren't they the ones who design the buildings in the first place? That's a very good question. You would expect, I think, I, I imagine civil engineers are involved in any large building design. They've got to certify the thing to be safe. Um, so, you know, the answer is, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we should get a civil engineer on the show and, and ask him about this stuff. Is, is security just not a priority in hospitals? Is this the problem? Today, privacy is the, in the priority in most of the places that I've been visiting. <clears throat> and you can see that uh, the IT network will contain uh, cyber controls. But I think that because the CISO, the CISO is not uh, in charge of the OT network, it is sometimes being uh, neglected and uh, can even open an attack vectors on the IT network by gaining access to the IT from the OT network. And if you think about it, Andrew, it's exactly the opposite threat that we are usually dealing with within other sectors, like in engineering and water, we're always doing the separation and segregation and the one way between the uh, uh, the OT to the IT. And in this way, in this uh, area, we are thinking about threats that will come to the IT network from the OT network. So, so I'm confused. Are you saying that the big threat in hospitals is to protect the IT network from the OT network? Or... Are you, are you thinking that that's the perception, but in reality, we ought to be protecting the OT network? What, I'm, I'm confused, you know, what, what's the real threat and what's the perception? So these are two different threats that related to each other. So one of the threats is, of course, to protect the OT network, okay? Like we are using in other facilities in critical infrastructure, to protect the OT network by itself, okay? Protect it from the internet, protect it from attackers, protect it from doing some malicious stuff inside, like uh, we said before, stopping the elevators and changing the HVAC and playing with the gas chambers and so on. But we can see here another threat. We can see another threat to the IT network that can come from the OT network. For example, if the OT, one is one of the BMS uh, networks will be the CCTV, okay? And an attacker will access to the CCTV and from there he can gain an access to the IT network it can also steal information. Okay, so we are going to privacy issues. So if the uh, the, uh, info, the one that is responsible for information security feels that he closed all the gaps, okay, from outside, he might have another attacking vector from another network, like from the OT network. So we can see the relation between the OT and the IT, but in a different way of thinking that we thought all the way about critical infrastructure. Andrew, you guys are talking about threats coming from the direction of OT to IT. That 
seems naturally backwards to me. Is that kind of thing actually a real phenomenon? That's a good question. Um, you know, it, it, let me give you two answers. Uh, a quick one. Do we see that a lot? Do we see, you know, viruses and, and nasties jumping from OT to IT? Uh, not so much. There's been very few recorded cases. But um, the whole industrial space has, you know, statistically fewer cases than the, the intrinsically internet-exposed IT space. Um, but the second answer is, um, let's look at history. Um, back, you know, 15 years ago, sort of where the building automation space seems to be security-wise, we heard exactly the same com- concerns out of power gen, out of refining, out of pipelines. And it was because the IT team was only beginning to become aware of operations. And, you know, the stereotype is they look at operations. This was, you know, 15 years ago, this was 2005. That was the year the Gartner Group coined the term OT. Before that, there was no OT. There was industrial control systems. So this was the just the beginning of, of this space. And uh, the IT teams would look at operations and would say, what do you mean you don't have antivirus? What do you mean you're you're not applying security updates? They saw the whole operations network as wide open and a threat to you know what they thought as their network, which is the IT network. And you know, fast forward 15 years later, we see a very different uh, scenario in the industries that have been doing this for 15 years. IT is no longer IT. IT is enterprise security. Enterprise security is responsible for all security. They're responsible for OT security. They're responsible for IT security. And people mostly, not universally, but mostly have wrapped their heads around the fact that you can't do antivirus the same way as you do in the IT network. You can't do it in the OT network. You can't do security updates the same way. And so we need other measures. We need strict laptop controls, strict removable device controls. You know, there's other measures in place to protect everything but like i said um you know the 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 building automation and the the hospital uh building automation seems just at the beginning of this process and so you know they might still be pointing fingers at each other and need to come up the learning curve you know you've been working with these hospitals for a while what does it take to uh to make a change in in this you know what how do we fix this so I believe that the, the proper uh, uh, that the proper regulation uh, that will deal with uh, OT assets in hospital will be good for start. But even a better one will be the understanding of the stakeholders that hey we have a huge threat to human lives that come from uh, an area we haven't uh, thought of before. So let's do something about it. And I think that most in the most of the OT hospitals. Most of the people that work there doesn't know that there is a cyber uh, risk around them. So you would include in that most the CISO who's been who's been preoccupied with uh, with privacy issues. Yeah, yeah. Most of the time, the CISO is not responsible for these systems at all. Who is responsible for those systems? Usually, we see that uh, the people that are in charge of these uh, uh, issues are the maintenance or engineers, or even uh, worse than that, uh, subcontractors that used to do these projects uh, years ago, and uh, now they they are they are coming for maintenance uh, when when you know when uh, the system breaks or something like this. But there is no one that holds the whole picture 
and uh, know how to draw the lines between all the networks. So Nate, real briefly here, what, what this sounds like to me is sort of a lack of structure. I mean, if you, if you compare it to the you know, power and, and pipelines and whatnot, um, there are whole teams, managers, engineers, technicians, whole teams responsible for operations, for keeping things running. Just like I imagine there's entire teams responsible for the medical operation of the hospital and apparently a team responsible for controlling access to medical information. But there may not be a team responsible for physical operations. This, this, uh, it sounds like this might be the, the gap here. I don't know. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me. And as we talk about the, the security issues in, in hospitals, um, it occurs to me that what we're talking about really isn't any specific technical problem or any specific failure, but a sort of maybe what you might describe for lack of a better word, a cultural issue that, you know, when you're talking about a manufacturing plant, you know, you have engineers, technicians, management, they're all working with the machines. At a hospital, um, the majority of personnel involved in the system are medical professionals, not security professionals. So I figure that a lot of the security problems we're discussing is just a function of these industries work very differently from another. You know, you don't see hospital people showing up to S4 in the numbers that you see, uh, you know, oil and gas or electricity folks. That's right. And and this was actually my next question to Gilad. Um, is this changing? Can we look forward to things getting better? So let's listen in. Can we look forward to, to this, this situation improving? Yeah, I, I think so. I think that, yes, because most of the time, the one that calls us, calls us is the CISO. And after the audit team is, is starting to understand about the new risk that he wasn't aware of, uh, most of the CISOs are coming from the IT world, and after they, they will see the, our uh, um, after they will see our audit, they are starting to understand about the connection between the networks. They are, they are starting to understand okay what is PLC and what are the damages or what are the potential damages that can that, that can happen to the hospitals. And I think that with our report, they are going to the board and uh, starting to make um, some um, and trying to make, you know, the right decision how to implement uh, cyber controls in these networks and to fix all the issues. So, Gilad, thanks for all of this. Uh, it's been very interesting. Um, we're coming up on the end of the episode. Is there a thought you would like to leave with our listeners? So first, I want to listen to look at hospitals like a complicated human life uh, server facility with a lot of OT devices that might be connected to each other. Having said that, the, the potential of risk is huge and the impact is can be catastrophic. Uh, I will be more than happy to elaborate about the, the risk and more about the solutions because we haven't talked about the real solution that there are and there are solutions uh, that can uh, apply it to reduce the risks and the impact on the, those facilities. Of course, you can reach me uh, by LinkedIn and we can discuss together what are the four steps for reaching a safer, in, of course, in cyber perspective, of course, a hospital or a medical center. Andrew, as a last word here, what were these four steps that Gilad mentioned? 
Yeah, it wasn't four steps. Uh, I, he, he, I asked afterwards, he meant to say first steps. So, and, and you know, the steps are people, you know, people process and, and technology. It's that methodology. Um, and, you know, to me, it, it, uh, it sort of speaks to the, the whole industry. Um, if they are this far behind, um, you know, when people look around, I think there's a, a much greater awareness of cyber threat nowadays than there was 15 years ago when when this you know the the industrial security space was starting, and so it sounds like awareness is the key. Make the the decision makers make the CISO aware of this problem, and in a hospital, the CISO is going to take life critical issues very seriously, and it sounds like you know start taking steps right away to to solve this problem. So hopefully, it's it's not going to be the fifteen year learning curve we had with uh, with lots of other industries. Hopefully, uh, it's it's going to happen very quickly now that people are starting to become aware of the problem. Yeah, and before we go, uh, a quick note to self: we need a civil engineer on the show. Yes, indeed. And so, um, you know, if we have in our audience uh, people who are familiar with building automation, who are civil engineers, uh, you know, reach out to us. Let's see what we can work out. All right. And with that, uh, thanks to Gilad Zinger for speaking with you, Andrew. And as always, Andrew, thank you for speaking with me. Always a pleasure, Nate. This has been the Industrial Security Podcast from Waterfall. Thanks to everybody listening. <laughs>